Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Cast Haven. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always is Nathan Golia. Nate, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, it's, you know, it's been a good week, I think. Uh, you know, in a, in a post-countertop uh, world, I'm, I'm, I'm living large. Yeah, it's been a fun week. I, I think we both got to play some Magic uh, since the ban, right? And uh, we can we can sort of reflect on how it's been. I I just felt like I brought 150 cards to Legacy on Friday because I brought a loner deck. I actually brought like 200 cards because I also brought like another shell. And I said to the guy, like, if you can find forces, you can play this deck. Yeah. Because I'd use my forces. And I didn't bring a single Abrupt Decay. And it felt so liberating. Wow. You know? Yeah. So um, you got to play. Let's start with your event on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Because so I... most interesting, I think. Yeah, so I played in a uh, GPT at uh, the Geekery uh, for uh, for GP Vegas. My my thing is I'm not going to Vegas right now, but I said that if I win one of these Grand Prix pre trials, uh, I'll go. You know, I'll make that my like my Magic the Gathering bachelor party kind of thing. And yeah. uh, and un- unfortunately, uh, I did not win. So there's there's your spoiler. Um, in fact, I didn't even make top eight. Uh, my deck choice was uh, Infect, which is sort of a newish deck for me. I've, I've played it a few times, but this was the first time I played it in like a larger event. Um, I thought that this would be like a good choice for the, the post-countertop uh, world. Well, why did you think so? Like, what would you... Well, I, I figure, you know, you, don't, you can't get blown out by Terminus, so you can go wide with this deck if you need to. Um, not that you always do, and it's always right to do that, but, like, you can actually put more than one guy on the board. Um, and that, and that's the thing with when you have Noble Hierarch and you're trying to make Noble Hierarch work with your Infect guys. Yeah. Um, so, so being blown out, like, with a two-for-one, uh, isn't as big a deal there. And, uh, you know, with less Swords to Plowshares running around, uh, maybe slightly more Lightning Bolts are, are around, which is fine against this deck because you can pump your guy larger than the Lightning Bolt most of the time. Um, where a swords doesn't care about how big the toughness of your guy is. Um, I, I just thought this was a, probably a good choice, and I assumed that there would be more combo, and this is like a combo deck that's good against other combo decks, because you run counter spells as well. Uh, yeah, can't argue with that. Also can win on turn two on like show and tell, which, you know, they can take, take a while to set up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I went, went into the tournament with pretty much a stock list. I would... Looking back, I'd make some changes now, um, but uh, I'll give you the quick breakdown. So round one, I played against a Storm deck, and uh, I won. It was a pretty um, slapdash ma- match for most most of for both of us. We were trying really hard to get our combos off, and neither one of us was really getting there. I, I thought for the first three turns of uh, round of game one that he was on uh, Grixis, so I was playing very conservatively. And it turned out he was he he got to storm off uh, 
for uh, Empty the Warrens, but I had enough uh, Infect to kill him on the swingback. So yep. I, I was able to, to win on that one. And in the, the second game, after realizing like he wasn't on it, I just I was able to get him in like three or four turns. Uh, but and I was able to stop him from doing his thing, so that was that was kind of nice to be like immediately gr- justified for choosing this deck. Yeah. Um, and then the next round, I played Black Red Reanimator, and um, we went to three games. Uh, and I lost in the third game. At first game was was reanimate the uh, uh, the Chancellor of the Annex like on turn one against me, and. Wasn't a whole lot I could do, so I scooped and went to game two. Game two, uh, I I I won with a, a pretty quick. I think it was like a turn three win, uh, because I knew he didn't have counter magic, so I just went whole hog and and went after him. Yeah. Uh, and then game three was was pretty close. Um, I had him at like seven infect when he when he killed me, but he had uh, reanimated two chancellors against me. Um, and I I had hate against him. But he got an unmask, and so I had to spend my surgical extraction, and he cast uh, uh, what's it called? I had to I had to spend a, a force of will against his unmask, and then he uh cast exhume, and he already had two guys in the yard, so I surgical extractioned his Elishnorn, so I maybe had a chance. Yeah, and uh, it, it it was basically a race after that, and he ended up getting me. Um, so that was round two. <laughs> round three was uh. Grixis, uh, Delver, and that didn't go well for me, mostly because Cabal Therapy just ate up my hand really bad, like, really quickly. Uh, in fact, I got Soul Red in the, in the first, uh, first, uh, turn by my opponent realizing that I had played a Hierarch, and he goes, Blighted Agent? And I had two Blighted Agents in my hand. Oh, I that's mean, dirty. It's a, it's a good read because I would have played a Glistener Elf if I had it, right? Like, So you assume that you don't have Glistener Elf, you must have Noble Hierarch, or why would you have kept this hand? Um, and, and, and he got me, you know? So I lost two, two, two uh, Blighted Agents, and I still almost made it on that, that game. The next game I took, the third game, was literally like, can I top deck to win? And I didn't. Um, and so then that brings us into round four. Round four was, I think, a bug control deck or a bug, like a mid-range bug deck uh, with Liliana's, but no Delvers. And it wasn't a Shardless Agent deck. So it was just kind of like a bug. I, I'll call it bug control because that's 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 kind of how it felt. Uh, and, I, and I won against that deck uh, and it came down to like I got him in the first game, he got me in the second game, and in game three, um, I just kind of blew him out with a uh, abrupt decay. Um, he he, uh, sorry, with a fatal push, he fatal pushed uh, one of my guys, and I just force of willed it, and he was like, ah, oh, I could have got you with abrupt decay, and I was thinking to myself, well, why wouldn't you have cast that? Like, if you can guarantee a kill, or at least pr- be pretty positive about a kill for my deck, I don't have anything else on the board. You got to do it. And, um, yeah. and, and he didn't, and he, he was just like, well, I figured I saw your hand, you had spell pierce and your spell pierce would be worthless against me for the rest of the game. Um, obviously, uh, that's not that big a deal, uh, to make one of my cards worthless against you if the rest of my deck can kill you. Um, but, uh, yeah, luckily I taught, I, I had just brainstormed and, uh, I had after, you know, after he saw my hand, I brainstormed. 
and I put back uh, Berserk and uh, what the hell was that card? Uh, uh, Invigorate. And so I was able to, I, I drew the Invigorate during my turn, attacked, and then untapped, and I was and he had one card in his hand, and I had a Vines in my hand. And I was just like, I don't think there's any one card that you could possibly have that's going to stop me from killing you this turn. Um, with the other nine damage that I was able to do. So, uh, I ended up winning there. Um, then, gosh, round five. Um, I can't even remember. Uh, round five was... Just looking real fast to see these notes here. Um, it's going by the old house there. Oh, yeah, I've got, uh... I've got the, a, whole, a whole thing going on here outside. There's like a motorcycle rally going on. So, yeah, it looks like uh I played Bug Delver next and um I got bug uh I I got a uh, beat by Bug Delver uh just again off of uh off of Cabal Therapies. I didn't even know that deck played Cabal Therapies, but that guy uh he was able to uh, or not Cabal Therapies, sorry. Uh he was on Thoughtseize. Uh and he yeah. he was able to kind of ruin my hand with Thoughtseize uh in the first in the his first turn and he, he was quickly able to just stop me with dazes and stuff. So dazes, fatal push, abrupt decay. Uh, it's a pretty, it's pretty good against me. And I had, uh, the changes I would have made to the deck at that point was like spell pierce was in my hand dead a lot of times because people were playing abrupt decay. And I think I would just play blossoming defense, uh, or, vi or an extra vines over the, um, spell pierce. Cause really the spell pierce, uh, is only there to protect your guys. And if we're going to go to a world where Abrupt Decay is king, um, making your guys hexproof in response to that is, like, better than a counterspell. And if it comes down to, like, do I win because I lost to Abrupt Decay or do I do I lose because I didn't have a spell pierce in my deck to stop a combo deck, yeah. uh, win, I feel like I, I just rather err on the side of people trying to play fair decks that beat combo decks and being as fast as any other combo deck. Um, that's at least my, you know, my, yeah. uh, well, I'm gonna let you finish that one. I have a little, yeah. Follow up a couple of analysis questions. Uh -huh. but yeah. And so, okay. So my, uh, that was round five. So my final round was against, uh, storm. I'm sorry. Uh, burn, uh, uh, blue, red, like Delver burn. Uh, and that guy had four pyrokinesis in his, in his sideboard. And so I played well around what I thought was going to be two of them, but finally I had to go wide against him. And uh, he he got me uh, twice in a row uh, with pyrokinesis, and I was like, "Oh man, you got me." That's like you know, you you draw one, you draw the other one. You have like, what can I do? He's like, "Oh no, I play four in the board," and I was like, "Well, you know, you're gonna get me there." <laughs> uh, that is that is equally bizarre. It's an excessive amount of of pyrokinesis, I think. But uh, yeah, he got me. Uh, I I don't know why you would play that many pyrokinesis, but yeah. Yeah, okay. I, well, I guess we could start there. Why is that guy playing four pyrokinesis? What is Blue Red Delver bad against? Like, elves? Yeah, I mean, it's great Maybe. against elves, right? Like, if they... if But you have so much burn, you can just focus on that, I feel like. You, you can don't need four. Guys, like, is, right? four, is it better than Forked Bolt? No, like, I don't think it is. He had Forked Bolts, too. You know, like, geez. maybe he maxed out on Forked Bolts. Um, four Forked Bolts? Yeah, right, I, couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't get around him uh, uh, on that stuff. So I was like, "All right, you got me." 
Uh, I guess if you if you feel like everyone's gonna play elves, infect, and death and taxes, yeah, yeah, then you would. But geez, that is quite the bet. Yeah, I mean, is was, that good against Leovold? I don't think so. I don't know. Do you, you dro- pitch a dropping card. a card for Leovold and then having your opponent draw a card and then maybe picking off? What else is in that deck that has a one toughness? Like you're gonna get Leovold and nothing. Can't get anything. It's like, like Deathrite doesn't have one. Then True Name you can't target. Yeah. I mean, like they might have a click. Uh, or a snap. A click or or Hierarch. I guess you could get well, the Hierarch, hierarch but... too. But like I don't know. Okay, so maybe you do this. You play all these Pyrokineses because you want to just make sure they never have a Deathrite. But then I still think Forked Bolt's better. Yeah, that's Forked bizarre. Bolt's definitely better in that scenario. Like, it, what else? Can, what are you gonna kill two Deathrites with it? Like, it's not as good. Okay, um, now I want to I want to talk about this Cabal Therapy Soul Read. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was once playing uh, Abzan uh, against Elves, which is a terrible matchup, and I therapied naming Elvish Visionary. Uh, I think it was Blind. I think it was Turn One, and I hit two of them. And my reasoning for that was that I always lose the stupid Elvish Visionary. Like it always draws the right card, and they pick yeah. it up with Wirewood or whatever. I don't know why I did it. It was probably wrong, but I couldn't think of anything that I was really like scared of on the next turn. But I still think that was wrong. Do you think it was right to name Blighted Agent? I definitely do. And 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 I you know I talked with uh um I talked with the guy afterwards, uh, and this is uh this is Jesse who 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 uh, runs Cast Haven. So he was he yeah. he was privy to my deck because he saw me sleeping it up and we were talking about it beforehand. So he knew what I was on. But like dropping a hierarch on turn one, my turn one. I was like, Hierarch, go. And he's like, all right, Cabal Therapy, naming Blighted Agent. And, and and I was like, you got me, man. But, like, if I had a hand that I kept that didn't have Glistener Elf as a one-drop, because you drop Glistener Elf first, and then and then you drop the Hierarch, because you're going to get the same, you're going to get an extra point of damage in, not to mention, like, if you have a Berserk and Invigorate, you win the game there. You know, yeah, that's true. So okay. you, I was saying, like, you could still play Hierarch and then you play. could, you could, but I mean, you figure, um, you all, you almost always want to just throw down your Glistener Elf on turn one if you have it to be like, do you have it? You know, yeah. And and if they don't, then you sometimes you just win. Now there's times when you won't do that, but like Hierarch on turn one normally means you don't have a Glistener Elf, I feel like. I, I don't know the deck well enough to say definitively that's the way it goes, but that's how I would have played it. And so he had a good... It was a good read, I think, uh, to, to be like, well, you would have dropped a Glistener Elf if you had one, so I have to assume yep. that you kept a hand with at least one Infect creature in it, and I can't name your Blink Moth Nexus. So, yeah. See, I would have named know. Invigorate. Yeah, Invigorate was another card he named later on, and he got two of them. I mean, I guess my feeling is you don't have an infect creature, so now if you have it, like, if, like if you have an invigorate, like you're you're always gonna, I don't know, it depends. On, what, what was he playing? He was on uh, Grixis. So like, I mean, his deck probably has lightning bolt in it. Yeah. Like, I, I think I would have named invigorate and then see what infect creature you have, and then fight over that on the board. Yeah. Because invigorate's a free spell. It gets around days. It gets around. Uh, you know, spell peers. I mean, and then you only have four of them. And then if I, if you have one there, like you got to find another one in order to win fast, but I could, yeah. that I could probably be with a bolt. I don't know. I, I don't think it's indefensible. I just think it's, it's interesting because if you had ink moth nexus or, <clears throat> excuse me, or glistener elf. Yeah. If he hit nothing, know. he would have been in trouble. 
Um, the yeah. thing is, is though, uh, if he names Blade Agent and hits, uh, if he hits one, you know, like if I don't even yeah. have another one in the hand, that's as good as hitting two, truthfully, because I just need one on the board to win. You know, I can't win without infect creatures on the board. For the most that's part. true, and that's I, yeah, that's how I feel about it. But no, I, I did. I did not, <laughs> however, uh, check off the twenty-two damage with a noble hierarch uh, attack for the day. I was able to do that, so there, there was, there was one of those. All right, what did you, what do you think about vines versus blossoming defense? So I think I would go with three vines main, and maybe put one in the board and play a one of blossoming defense. I, so the, the the build I had played four days. I think I would go down to three days and mm-hmm. play a fourth Vines because I think just Vines is better. And instead of the uh, spell, spell Pierce, I would play one Blossoming Defense. The deck really doesn't need blue mana as much as people seem to think it does. So uh, being able to cast that off of your forest, um, you know, it, it, people people respecting your days over you actually having them is way more important. Yeah, I, I don't play. I mean, I, okay. So the deck that I brought and then said like you can play this if you can find forces was in fact there's been a player I've been lending it to mm-hmm. when I when I am not using the cards from it, and I I don't I play blossoming defense instead. My feeling being like vines. I know the plus four plus four is great, but you need green green, and you know your mana yeah. can be pinched, especially if you have ink moth nexus. You know, is if that's part of the mix. Yeah, and blossoming defense can just like straight up like, win you the game for one mana, like, if you're choked, in a way, mm-hmm. like, this is a pump spell, in addition to the Hexproof, oh, yeah. and I feel like that, I don't know, not that I think, I mean, not that I think Vines is bad, I'm just trying to figure out, like, the green-green part of it, because I feel like a lot of the way to fight against Infect is to choke them on mana, if you can control the creatures, and not make them, you know, behemoths that then trample over you. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Vines is, is that, I mean, they both sort of do the same thing, right? But Vines... Right giving that extra plus two is the number. So the, the plus four on your one, one is the number you need to make berserk a win con, right? Then you need green, green, green. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that can happen. You have noble hierarchy, you know? Yeah, that's true. So and I'm not saying you're not saying you're wrong. I'm just, I'm just yeah. interested. I, I thought for sure it was better. Like boss between defense is a better card. Yeah. I <laughs> like, mean, it I, I, it's certain, it's certainly defensible either way. I think that, I think that vines just based on it being sort of slightly more versatile as far as like, I can win the game with this or I can just protect my dude. And many times you're just protecting your dude. Um, uh, versus like the extra, the extra two infect is literally four damage, right? Like yeah. we have to think of it as like, if a, if a spell said plus four, plus four, or if a spell said plus eight, plus eight, right? Like, you kind of yeah. want to pay double for the plus eight, plus eight here. Um, uh, you know, obviously not thinking in infect world, thinking if it was actual damage. Um, because if you berserk that creature, you're going to kill your opponent, you know? Um, that's, that's I think, the biggest part is, like, th- there's having a maximum number of spells that you can cast and then cast berserk too. And be like, oh, you lost, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Like I used to. Uh, well, when that Death Shadow deck, the first version of it, came out in Modern, where it was like all in with the like uh, Team or Battle Rage and stuff. Mm-hmm. That deck played Vines, and one of the th- reasons you played Vines was that if 
they tried to splinter twin their creature, you could vines their guy. Yeah. It doesn't say gains hexproof. It says can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. Exactly. Yeah. And you could also do it with a uh, uh, Arcbound Ravager. <laughs> like they try and move all the shit off the Ravager, and then you just vines the like, thing. Nope. Try to your, them. your guy does yeah. not work. And but there's no. There's not a lot of interactions like that in Legacy. I mean, you can do it to their target for like an equip, I guess. Um, but nine times out of ten, things that are getting equipped can't be targeted by your by your stuff. Like, like it's it true like name right? nemesis, right? Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I uh, to to give a quick synopsis of this deck, I think it's a good call in the meta right now, uh, based off of you know it being as fast as any of the combo decks, but also having game against the combo decks. And I feel like you're going to see a slight increase in combo now that miracles uh, is just less of a less of a thing. Um, and not that Miracles was great against all combo decks, but there's a perception that, like, if a control deck goes away, now the now the degenerate stuff can come out. Um, well, I think the thing is the combo decks don't have a lot of changes to make. Yeah. Whereas the fair decks definitely are, we're, we're fighting Miracles, and there's, you're looking at card choices now. For sure. And if you can play but- a fair deck that's also unfair... You know why not? Why not get the best of both worlds? That's and that's my stance with with uh, Infect. Yeah. Well, I I don't, I don't disagree. I I, uh, I think that that's the the main the main point right now though is that like combo decks sort of like we're gonna do the same regardless, and then you know your fair decks are sort of finding their footing. Especially all these control, you know, people are trying to brew control decks. Oh, I saw some control decks over, over the weekend and woof man that that was that was painful to watch a lot of people play like supreme verdict in their in their like miracles deck or like try and play you know uh D- D- death blade after they <laughs> hadn't touched the deck in like a couple of years uh you know it's it's just uh it was it was a rough it was a rough tournament to watch people who were you know devotees to miracles like try and figure out you know who they are as a person now so I gotta have Grizzlebrands, everybody, because yeah. if things go horribly wrong, you always just have your Grizzlebrand deck, either Show and Tell or Reanimator. Um, well, I guess that's a good segue into me talking about my Grixis Control deck that I played on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so I a while ago tried this deck with Thing in the Ice, mm-hmm. this Grixis Control deck, and I was like, I'm gonna play Thing in the Ice, and this is gonna be great. Um, unfortunately, Thing in the Ice is really bad against Miracles. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, because they just swords it and move on, or they terminus it, which is miserable. Uh, so I put it away. Uh, it just was one of those long game decks that could not compete with Miracle's long game. But with it gone, I decided to bring it back out. And so the deck doesn't. It's a Grixis deck. It does not play. There's no green splash. It does not play Deathrite Shaman. Um, because my feeling was I don't want to bounce my Deathrite Shaman back to my hand and then have this summoning sick creature in my hand. Um, the only creatures that played aside four thing in the ice were four baleful strix and three snapcaster mage. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think I might've had a click in the man. I can't remember where I ended up. I got to look at the deck again. Uh, but then after that, it's just like all spells, obviously, um, four probes, eight of the major cantrips, four forces, um, four cabal therapy. And I'll explain that in a second, four bolts or three bolts and two fatal push. I decided to do a split there. Uh, one reanimate and one on Earth. Two Colagons command, um, and I think that was oh two Thoughtseize. So their only counter spell is Force of Will in the main because with Thing in the Ice you're trying to be proactive and just cast spells and then flip it. Mm-hmm. 
The other thing you can do with discard spells, if you flip the thing in the ice with a discard spell, bounce the creature back to their hand, you can hit it with a discard spell because all that resolves first. Yeah. So um, I had a pretty cool interaction with that. Um, so, and then the deck plays like 17 lands. No wastelands. There's a creeping tar pick because it doesn't get bounced. Um, so I played, and Death and Taxes is extremely popular at our store. It has been doing extremely well. I think a Death and Taxes player has 4-0'd every week, 4-0'd like five out of the last seven weeks or something like that. Um, so I got paired against Death and Taxes round one and lost the die roll. But I did manage to pull it off. I flipped a thing in the ice, which was nice. Um, with all the removal, just keeping you know their major problems off the board and then cleaning up with the thing in the ice, then like a 7-8 is pretty good against them. Um, the, the major, the, the best play I had was uh, reanimate on their Phyrexian Revoker, naming Aether Vial. Now, when Thing in the Ice flips, it bounces all non-horror creatures. Phyrexian Revoker is a horror. So, uh, when he when I then flipped it and he bounced his Flicker Wisp back, um, I flipped it with a Cabal Therapy. He couldn't Vial it back in before yeah. my Cabal Therapy resolved. Naming Flicker Wisp, because I was looking at the board, I'm like, or like it bounces flicker wisp, then he's just gonna file it back in and uh and then flip my thing in the ice back around, which I did not want to happen. Uh but luckily I found that line by looking That's through his graveyard a few times. It's pretty amazing. Uh the reason for the reanimate and the unearth, by the way, and I'm testing them both, um because I feel like there's gonna be times where like you're gonna be playing against like uh reanimated themselves and like just thought sees reanimate your grizzle brand. <laughs> um but the, but the reason I wanted the uh, recursion is uh, with more like abrupt decays and fatal pushes, more creatures are going to the graveyard. So even though like all these creatures are vulnerable to that, the recursion, especially for one mana, um, can really be backbreaking when they you know spend a turn trying to get rid of something and they just bring it back for one mana. Um, so I think I think that's a it's a it's a thing to explore. Coldagon's command also lets you recycle your dead creatures. Um, and they're not being tucked and they're not being removed from the game as much. So um, yeah. things are in your graveyard again, which is which is weird. But you see all these little corner things that happen when a, when a deck goes away. Yeah. Uh, so I beat Death and... I lost all four die rolls in four rounds. I beat Death and Taxes. Um, then I played against like a bug mid-rangey deck. I don't think he had Delver. And I beat that and I won. So uh, I was 2-0 and and I was telling uh, the person who does commentary for Paragon... Hey, I'm a two and zero with this deck. Take a look. <laughs> they put us on camera. Um, he was in the middle of a draft. Uh, the guy usually does commentary, and then I lost to Grixis on camera. And he came in in the middle of the third game. He's like, I was watching the replay, and he goes, "Yeah, Nate seemed pretty surprised. He was two and zero with this deck. I'm not surprised to see it sort of get uh, to see it sort of hit a wall here. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, the I mean, I was. They were all competitive. Losing the die roll. So I was two and six in games on the draw, which means that I was four and zero in games on the play. Yeah. So I kind of want to try it again next week, and or uh, yeah, I guess tomorrow, based on the recording, and see if I can win some die rolls and see if it's good. Um, I you gotta learn to you gotta learn to fade that die roll, man. I know, right? <laughs> well, I mean, win one out of four, and maybe I'm three and one, <laughs> and that looks better than two and two, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I lost to Deathblade in the uh, final round. Um, True Name Nemesis was just a uh, if I didn't if wasn't able to bounce it, you know, it's just a miserable experience to play against. So I I bought a Lawan Cephalid Empress. <laughs> Player haters ball, man. Well, I mean, it bounces Leovold, 
announce his true name, then they can't play it, can't erupt decay it, got to work to fatal push it. So maybe, I don't know. That's one of those things where you're like, man, I just lost a true name. You guys got a Lawan in stock. Like, that's basically what I said. Yeah, jeez. So, but I like the deck. I think it's good. Um, I mean, I think it's it's worth giving a shot. Giving it a shot. Like, you're not playing Death Right, but the tempo you gain from flipping Thing in the Ice and bouncing all their stuff uh, sort of makes up for that, theoretically. Like, that's the idea, that you can sort of make up for it that way. Get to play some basic lands, which are tech against all the wastelands and stuff so at blood moons so i was pretty happy um i'm gonna run it back again but uh the other thing i've been i've been testing is is esper stoneblade like another ironically like a deck without death right again yeah <laughs> and uh i just built that online and i'm sort of 500 ish with it right now i took it through a league today and went three and two and then i am one and one in the next league so I'm testing it. I think that uh, Lingering Souls is really good right now, just against all the like point removal. Yeah. Um, and I miss Lingering Souls. It's very satisfying to for Lingering Souls to be good again. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I feel like that's one of the things like about the health of a format is like when you can see old strategies kind of start to come back that have been ignored because they're just not optimal compared to like the the you know things people are doing with tundras before that you know yeah i mean like lingering souls is not the worst card you know it was never really terrible but like it's just so grindy and then they're just gonna block it with their like you know 24 power of angels yeah. you know? or you know cast terminus and and put it put all those things in the other side like going wide doesn't isn't as good when your opponent has a one mana wrath of god right Right, exactly. I mean, the the theory used to be that you would like have lingering souls and then pick up a sword and then make them deal with it, and then you'd flash it back and then those would pick up the sword. That was when miracles was slower. I mean, the miracles decks themselves got so efficient at the end with the predicts, and especially yeah. like I, I think that started with monastery mentor, right? I mean, even though mentor itself fell out of favor towards the end, like they realized the value of just like churning through their deck at such a high rate. Um, with the predicts and stuff like that, that that's what you saw, and then all of a sudden, like you, there's no hope for grinding out a deck like that. So yeah. getting that back, getting that feeling back of like, got my lingering souls, they're picking up a sword, we're gonna grow this with with this GTA, and uh, you know, I was playing against Burn, right? So I'm at like five life, and I managed to just, like get a lingering souls and block a you know, block his goblin guide, he doesn't have a way to win, and it picks up the GT, and then I'm gaining four a turn, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how you win. So, um, I don't know, I, I feel good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Miracles is gone. I think we will see some real control, you know, hard control that everyone seems to think is dead. Uh, I think we'll see it come back. Um, I don't know that I would count my Stoneblade deck as that, though. It was, it's only got ten creatures. You know, it's not like it's playing tons of creatures yeah i think that i think that you'll we'll definitely see more stoneblade and more deathblade decks pop up um because that seems like the logical deck to go to after your you know your uh what's called gets banned your miracles deck gets banned but yeah uh I, i think i saw a lot of people just move directly to combo um i didn't see any um blood moon decks at all this weekend 
which, uh, you know, I guess that's sort of a fallout of, like, you know, obviously Miracles occasionally played it in the board, but the, you know, Magus of the Moon, Painter Stone-style decks are kind of, sort of took a hit from not having access to um, Sensei's Divining Top as well. Yeah. I think that, well, it's interesting, like, I've seen these, a bunch of these blue-red control brews that have popped up online, or people have been talking about them, and, like, that is a a strategy that you can you can try like a grindy blue red deck like, with lots of counter magic legacy blue moon yeah sure yeah, like legacy blue moon or you know blue red standstill like yeah. all these grind there, there were there are flavors of grindy decks that can be good i mean there was so many cards printed. you know what i got today in the mail hmm. four harsh mentors remember that yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember all that hype like yeah. it's like hold on a second like you got a harsh mentor down like um you know that's a card you can use still even though top is gone yeah and people are going to be playing these Fetchlandy decks and stuff. So, I actually had a harsh mentor played against me, and I had to play a GTA, and I realized that the GTA was essentially a dead card. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, that wasn't going to. I help. mean, I guess you can kill the harsh mentor with it, right, and take four damage. <laughs> yeah, take six because you got to equip and then <clears throat> get counters on it, um, and then use the counters. So. Eventually, um, you'll start making making. Eventually, deck. yeah. I think um, I blocked the harsh mentor with a Gurmag angler, and then the Gurmag angler grabbed the GTA and went from there. But yeah, it's it's worth mentioning that maybe, just maybe, uh, Splinter Twin might see its way into Legacy. Uh, you know, going going on the Soul Land Blood Moon, you know, uh, Chalice route, right? Well, I I do think that uh, with harsh mentor, like. It's Harsh Mentor synergizes a lot with with a lot of that blue and red disruption that is sort of not taxing you in the same way that Thalia does, but mm-hmm. like Stifle and Daze, like making you crack your fetch lands, you know, making you play into this onboard mentor, making you play into Stifles and stuff like that. And uh, I mean, like Splinter Twin could be a finisher for that. You're tapping down, you know, you tap down their lands on the in their end step and then you go to win and they have to fight it you know yeah as long as your opponent doesn't have a harsh mentor on board right because then splinter twins not as good yeah well what can you do i guess you could can you sahili you could still sahili combo through it so yeah we can do that does that work with uh no it only works with felder guardian yeah it really only works with felder guardian i guess flicker wisp yeah, can we talk about can we talk about that again? We got that at the end of our last podcast. Yeah, we sure did. And after a few days of, of reflecting on that, I, I have some more opinions. I don't know if you do as well. Yeah, I think I do certainly. My thing is just like, what are you doing with this schedule? If you're gonna do something like this, like they've made a big deal about like, well, just because we have more opportunities to ban them, we're gonna ban more. We're still only banning on the schedule. I mean. It's April. It was April, only January when they made that that, that announcement. You know, it, it only been three, four. I just can't believe they so fast and they made up the, you know, men anything else. Of course they weren't because it was the best deck, and you explicitly not. There is no reason to test anything else. Yeah. Like you knew it was the best deck. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they also kind of had a pretty good idea that every pro was on that one deck, you know? I mean, I guess, like, the thing is, like, this doesn't directly affect Legacy, but the sort of, you know, 
what's going on over there sort of does affect legacy, you yeah. know? I don't I don't really have a lot of confidence in what's going on over there right now. Um and at, at legacy's so far down on their list already. Like I was joking when they put out the addendum, like maybe they'll unban mind twist in legacy with this addendum. Maybe that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jeez. Like, oh yeah, this card has never got it's not gonna do anything. Like, why are we having it rot on the ban list for like twenty five years? Um but of course that'd be it. But like you know sort of spinning a little bit with theirs with the, what they want to do with the game and insofar as that affects legacy is that we if we want to try and you know if we want to get new cards coming in like they're, they're so focused on um limited it seems that like there's no room for like experimentation and yeah. then something gets through like when so much of your set is these limited whole figures, like yeah of course you have to ban a, a four mana one four. Like, come on, like it's just, it's just so, it's just so crazy. Like it does seem ridiculous. Want, yeah, well, it's because they don't want any easy. They don't want good removal because of limited, right? Yeah, you know, and they they they're filling up. They're they're making all this stuff with limited in mind. Like I, people are gonna write us letters because I'm complaining about limited. But it's it's just a different game. Like it's a different game using the same pieces. Mm-hmm. And right now, one of those games is really suffering. Yeah. At all levels. I mean, there's been a ban in every format this year. Yeah, I mean, we've yeah. we've gone a pretty long way without. Yeah, there's definitely been a ban in every format. We've had Gargari Grave Troll and uh, and Gataxian and probe. probe. You know, we've had Probe again with Gush. Uh, you know, and we've had uh, the bands in Legacy that we've talked about over the last year, and then Standards having bands. So, yeah, I think, you know what it is, is, you know what actually I think is ruining Magic? Um, what is it? it it's, complaining? it's the internet. <laughs> yeah. It's the internet, you know, like, I, it, it's a kind of a weird thing for me to say, like, the internet's ruining Magic the Gathering, but the problem is that the information is so readily available that Standard is so tiny that it gets solved so quickly and the hive mind there is is so efficient that people really realize almost immediately that like okay well these are the only things that are viable in this format i guess we'll just do that and it's not like it was like in return to ravnica where like people thought about it a little bit and they're like well maybe i can counter this deck with this deck and you know like there was a there was a bit of a rock scissors paper going on you know now it's just rock and rock like there's yeah. two decks that are good, and generally one's not as good as the other one, but it's better against the the rest of the field. Um, if there is a field, if there is a field, but when it's just two decks, literally, like we were going into a pro tour where they they were, I, I was like, this pro tour is gonna be awkward when it's literally the same deck facing off against itself for like nine rounds. You know, they're gonna have to make up like situations where they're like. Oh yeah, it's not just just guy, uh, you know, Sahili decks. It is this guy over here at like X and three playing, you know, <laughs> right. like playing black, black, red, uh, black, blue constrictor or something like that. You know, like I think the real problem is that the internet is giving information that's so readily available in such a small format like standard that it's solved so fast and. You know, people blindly will just follow the information they get, so they're they're not even experimenting at this point because they'd rather have wins than figure out like what's better than the deck that's good, right? So really, 
the, so that means now obviously we can't ban the internet, right? Like that's not going to be no. be a thing. So what that means is that standard has to become more diverse, and I think the only way to do that is to make standard even larger. Which I was just going to say that that's where I was going to go. Yeah. Which means like, that something like Frontier might not be as crazy and stupid as it sounds. It might become the new standard, but I don't think standard and Frontier can exist at the same time. Well, I think that it's not just about the thing. Of, the thing about standard insofar as it affects legacy is that it, it certainly affects their appetite for printing cards and continuing to be a company, right? Yeah. And uh, that's a that's a thing. It also affects the health of your game store. So mm-hmm. if you're wondering why we talk about standard on a legacy podcast, that is why. Like, I mean, you know. These I, I don't know anything about standard other than I know that this Sahili deck and these this vehicle deck was good, you know, because you can't throw a rock on the internet without finding that out, you know? Yeah. If you didn't want to, you know, even if you don't want to know, you, you find out. But like, um I read somewhere someone was talking about fifth edition. Like fifth edition was bigger than standard is now. Like the the one set of fifth edition was yeah. bigger than standard is now. And it wasn't chock full of playable cards. But like, it, that's what the, when you when you lose the core sets, that's what you lose. All this like baseline stuff. Yep. That's sort of, you know, now you got to find spots for it. You got to deal with your flavor and everything. And I think it seems like they're doing these master sets. We're getting this iconic masters later this year, and that's their reprint set. And it's not legal and standard. And you know, whatever. We'll see what it gives us as legacy players in terms of reprints. But, you know, it's it's like. It's like I always say, like I don't understand where they get they, they they say they do these this market research and all this stuff, and I don't understand where they're getting their answers that are leading them down the path because they do seem to change their mind. They change their mind about the standard rotation that took like six months. Yep. Right. Even that. If that, they didn't even get to rotate. <laughs> yeah, they never did it. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they could change their mind about the core sets. You know, they say, oh, it takes so long to do blah 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 blah. I'm telling you, like, if you've worked in a corporate environment, if someone says people aren't buying our product because the format is bad, which is what I, you know, what I think they were worried about, like they couldn't sell Amonkhet cards because none of them went in this deck, you know? Yeah. Um, like <laughs> they couldn't sell Amonkhet cards because you didn't need them for. I mean, how long were yeah the deck Sahili was solved, the, you know? Yeah, and not only was it solved, it was going to be solved for the entirety of Amonkhet standard and into. Uh, the next one, right? Atlazan, Atzalan, whatever it is. Yeah, who knows? Because those cards just came out. Like, they both came out. Well, I guess Sahili was in Kaladesh, but, like, yeah, like, they they both come out since last summer. I remember I remember being at the Grand Prix in Louisville when, uh, when all of a sudden, like, everyone's walking around trying to buy these Sahilis, you know, because this this thing had been discovered, and, like, suddenly you couldn't find a Sahili anywhere on the floor, you know, there wasn't a run on them for Legacy, that was for sure. It was, for, it was because we were trying to get them before they went up to whatever. So Yeah, the only was person only- playing them that wasn't that wasn't playing Standard was me in my Vintage deck. Yeah, Sahili's a perfectly good Vintage card. I mean, you know, it wins through with, with Time Vault, finds your Time Vault. I, I just, you know, they. I, I feel like their instincts are off, you know, and, you know... They need to get back to what was was made this game, you know, fun and interesting. You know, one of the things that bothers me about Limited being part of the game is that I hate going into my game store and just seeing the garbage, you know? And, like, 
I know it's great for selling packs, right? But like you just, people just treat the game as disposable. You got these stacks of cards, you got pack wrappers everywhere. Yep. You know? I, I mean it used to be like I, to me the, the fun of this game is building decks. Like finding interactions and finding cards. I mean, that's all also gone because of the internet. You don't trade anymore because yeah, you just true. find any card you want on eBay. But, you know, still it's like finding interactions and doing fun stuff and like to me, limited just like a totally different kind of game. It's like you're, you have a subscription to a game. <laughs> yeah, it just to me. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll rag on limited for for a minute. I really appreciated what limited was when I first found out about it, and I'm talking about during fourth edition into Mirage. Um, yeah. I, I really appreciated the concept of like, oh, I can get more out of the game than just me opening these packs, getting nothing. You know, in this particular pack, now now it gives value to those things as well. But when it became the the number one focus of uh, of the game, I really didn't care that much. And if you look, it's it's kind of funny because your average limited player has has sort of an advantage on a on a constructed player because their format's always in vogue. Um, yeah. Whether or not they like the current format is whatever. But like you you know, you're always getting. Uh, to to play that format, it's always out there to be played. Whereas you know they don't have pro tours for legacy. Not every other Grand Prix is a legacy Grand Prix or a modern Grand Prix or a standard Grand Prix, but every other Grand Prix is a limited Grand Prix. So you, they are there's already so many advantages to being just a limited player. And let's not to mention the fact that if you're a limited player and you only play limited, you literally are just taking the the cards that you open. And turning them back into packs, um, over and over again, and there, there's a giant amount of, uh, I don't know, attrition that that a um, constructed player who does both has to sort of deal with. Yeah, I mean, just I guess I kind of feel like I I, I don't want to begrudge people who enjoy limited. Like, I, it's not really, it's not really like you need to enjoy this the same way I do. It, that's not really what I want to be saying, even though I kind of am saying it. But what I really mean is like. You can't have it. You can't have it both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't. You can't have a constructed game and a limited game be opened in the same pack. Like it's just too. You're you're just you're you're sac- The only one of them is going to suck as a result, right? Yeah, definitely. You know? I mean, that's what's that's what's happened to standard. And if they want to do something like that, you know, I don't really mind that much if they're like oh yeah and also the limited thing but like look at these master sets these master sets are eminently more fun to to draft than their uh their standard uh you know brethren uh mm-hmm. and the the things you can do in those sets are much more fun and if they only decided to deal with limited that way and you know sure you could you know you can chaos draft a standard set kind of thing you know sure you can do that but that's not what we're really pushing here but if you know, it, it'd be good for the company too because they'd be able to sell packs for ten dollars a piece, apparently, uh, to to every single person who wants to play limited all the time. You know, um, yeah, know would they? I don't know. Yeah, well, I know there's other effects on the MTG economy, and I'm, I'm not saying I have a great answer. I just, I just, I'm like, when you're when you're ban when you're banning Felidar Guardian, right? The answer is not, you know, we we screwed up. It's like no, this was like this is this is the this is the logical extension of a limited first development cycle and powering down um, constructed. Yeah. As a result, um, 
I mean, Beladar Guardian memory jar. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah. It's One of them crazy. says draw seven cards. I, that's how I felt when they banned the other cards. I'm just like, really? Like, Smuggler's Copter, Talarian Academy? Like, same breath. Skull Clamp? And yet, somehow, Treasure Cruise can make it all the way through the, the format, you know? Same thing with Victory yeah, right. Time, you know? Like, it, it th- there was never a problem with those two cards because, you know, the I won't say that the format was was better in particular. I think it was as far as standard was concerned. But, um, you know, there were cards during that set that they should have definitely gotten rid of too, like uh, Collected Company that they just, like, let run rampant for way too long. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really funny... Collected Company was the beginning, and people are going to say Siege Rhino and go back and say Pack Rad, and and, for, and you know, I mean, I remember. But the thing about playing against, like for example, the last time I played Standard, Restoration Angel, uh, Thrag Tusk or Restoration Angel Acidic Slime, mm-hmm. is that you felt like you were playing, you know, a powerful game, and you could conceivably come up with an answer to this, right? Yeah. Um, but now it's just like if you, I, I, I'm what, what people are saying, and I don't, I'm not have not played this format. But it was like you'd sit down and like you'd look at like a Sahili hit the board, and it'd just be the end of the game. Like you can't you can't do any. There's nothing in the card pool to deal with this. There's no bidding needle or anything like that, you know. And I think that that's that's the thing. Collected Company, sort of the same deal. Like you know, all the cards printed are we're good with collected company right yeah and then this card is just so stupid like just i mean it, it's a good card it's a strong you know it was in a leg if i went a legacy league <laughs> like since the since sensei's top has been banned there was a collected company deck in legacy yep like i mean the card just so outsized power level compared to the rest of the format and you can't make an even power level when a bunch when you have to build a bunch of like you know three mana four sixes to balance out the limited curves. Like it just, you can't, there's no other collected company in that case. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You're a game designer. Maybe you can, maybe you can shed some light on how that works. I, I just, just, I just feel like you're trying to design two games at once. And you're and you're not, I mean, maybe limited is great. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, isn't. there's, there's a thing in game design called solving two problems with, with one answer and this is not a time where i feel like that's that's the thing you want to do (laughs) if your problem is selling magic cards and you're trying to solve it by building two formats uh you know one for limited one for for this uh standard it's not working yeah i mean i don't know when do they start playing limited regularly like i imagine i remember just remember opening up ice age packs yeah, I mean, those cards I, were not good in any format, let alone uh, Ice Age. Ice Age Limited was a thing for sure, uh, because there were sealed decks. Uh, the first like Magic tournament at, that my store ran was a sealed deck for uh, Limited. Uh, for, for, uh, sorry, for Limited for uh, Ice Age. Ice Age. So you know, no one even knew what the hell to do with with a Limited Ice Age set. They're just like, I don't, you know, no one understands how to play. Limited you open up a gaze with. of pain. Yeah. I, I opened up a Chaos Lord, so wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, I, make like, I guess I'll play Chaos or Chaos Lord, and then my opponent's like, I guess I'll play a permanent and get your Chaos Lord. And I was like, I guess I'll play a permanent and get <laughs> my Chaos Lord back. You know, like it's, it's like, the, you know, you can build a good limited deck in that format. It's just that, like, 
it was sort of a tra you know look at the, look at that format is so it was so um wonky that like you you know spiders won the the block constructed event you know <laughs> like yeah well i mean just saying like i mean ice age they weren't thinking about limited but that's like you know that the game starts taking off like a rocket around that time yeah mirage then mirage was great and then all of a sudden you've got bought out by this huge toy company I think that was I think that's the timeline. I could be wrong. I think there might be the Tempest was out too or something, but you know that it wasn't people people were excited to build decks. Yeah. They were they weren't like, "Oh, look look I can I can find these archetypes and sit in my store and open these packs and like I don't know. I and again, I'm like trying not to just like if you enjoy that great, but I wish they would make you the supplemental product and give us the uh the um you know, corset or something. I think I I'm not positive, but I think Hasbro bought it after Exodus, and I'm trying to check. Uh, looks like September 30th, 1999, and now what set came out then? <laughs> well, that might—that's like uh, Majora's Mask, Mercadian Masks. September I think it was out by then. 30th. 1999. So yeah, it, it was Mercadian Masks. Actually, you're right. Uh, cause let's let's just find out real fast. When did Mercadia Masks come out? Um, I thought like it was working early, at, maybe then. I was working at yeah. the comic shop when it happened because I cared then. You know, as a, as a 12-year-old, I've been like, I don't know what that means. Uh, October 4th, 1999. So, yeah, I, I was I think I was right. Exodus is right before Mercadia Masks? Uh, no, Urza Block Prop is right before uh, Urza's, Urza's Prophecy, right? Urza's... Urza's... Saga, Ursus Legacy, Ursus Destiny. Destiny, Destiny. Ursus yeah. Destiny was out, so it was it happened during Ursus Destiny. Yeah, maybe it was announced earlier or something. I, mean, I knew it wasn't right very Mirage, possible. But like, the game, the game takes off like a rocket yeah. at that point, and just you start seeing it everywhere. And, and, and the irony, I always thought the irony about the Urza block and how they say it was almost the end of the game. I'm sure it was. I just remember thinking, sweet, I can open awesome cards and packs now. Yeah. Even though I missed all the Black Lotus packs, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when uh, Lotus Petal got printed in uh, Weatherlight, and I was or not Lotus Petal, uh, Lotus uh, Veil. Veil, and I was just like, Lotus, anything, I want that, you know, like Lion's Mox Eye Diamond, Diamond you know, yeah. Mox Diamond, you know, all those cards were just so they seemed powerful, even though that you were you were like, yeah, this isn't a Mox, I get it, but like these cards seem My like they're good, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 all sort of a there's a, there's a lot going on and to unpack, and we get we'll get to watch it over the next few months. But uh, for sure, I, I mean, I, I think guess... we I think we need to know all I think we know all we need to know about what's going on over there by the fact that they've banned four cards in standard in four months. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think what will what what will really tell the test of what's going on here is what happens during the next ban list. Yeah, if there's anything that emerges, I mean, yeah. Legacy, you know, is is still is going to be in flux probably through that Grand Prix at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's May first. The thing's in six weeks, um, so I mean, who knows what the Legacy meta is going to look like? Yeah, um, no and then there's a limited format, and then there's Modern, but um, which didn't have any real shakeups, but could by then could could have a broken deck. That's usually how Modern works. Yep. I was watching Conley Wood stream with As Foretold last night. It was pretty sweet. It's like As Foretold into Wheel of Fate, uh, or maybe he made like a Waste Knot. 
and they just get a bunch of mana, and then you start chaining uh, wheel effects and kill them with a uh, Molten Psyche. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Molten Psyche? Yeah. Um, you got to, like, cha- you had to... You had to make them discard lands with waste knots so that you got two black mana, which you could use to cast signets, which you could use to turn on metalcraft and and get red mana for your molten psyche as you continue to chain wheel effects. Like he played Whispering Madness, which is a windfall, which is windfall for what? two black and blue. That's ridi- this is the most ridiculous card I've ever read in my entire life. How how someone decided to come up with that as their win condition is is insanity to me. That was actually my first idea for Modern <laughs> My idea was that you would suspend a Wheel of Fate and then like slam a Megrum and then when you were gonna when the Wheel of Fate was gonna go off, you could like use Faithless Looting to like set up a noxious revival for Reforge the Soul. So that you would put Reforge the Soul on top of your library, you'd reveal it, you'd draw seven off the Wheel of Fate, immediately discard it to resolve the Reforge the Soul. So now your opponent's discarded seven cards. Um, and that's then 14 damage. That's 14. And then if you were lucky enough to draw a Molten Psyche, uh, they would then take another 14. So. Jeez, oh man. <laughs> but anyway. Right. Yep. <laughs> enough on that, I guess. Sorry for uh, ranting everybody, but Legacy is fun. I'm, I'm excited. There's a lot to. There's a lot to do. Yep. I am definitely looking forward to playing this again, uh, playing Infect again, and I I think I might be on this deck for just a little while until the meta shakes out before I jump back onto Rug. Although I think Rug is still fine right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess that's that's it. Uh, do we have anything else to go over? No. No. So uh, I guess I should remind everybody that we are on Patreon uh, at Patreon.com/EternalDurtles. Uh, we have. Uh, Settled on our goal. Uh, once we once we hit one hundred dollars uh, a month on Patreon, we will be doing uh, the top eight uh, most played legacy decks as a uh, one episode a piece bonus episodes uh, for a deck tech for each of them. And you can bet that miracles will not be in that list now. Would you like to hear what the list would be if we did it today? Yeah, I would love to hear that. Grixis Delver, Sneak and Show, Black Red Reanimator, Four Color Control. Bug Delver, Elves, Ad Nauseum Tendrils, Eldrazi. Wow, those are the top. Those are top eight decks. That'd be an interesting. Uh, that'd be an interesting series. But uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I guess. Uh, w- and with that said, uh, so if you hop on over to our Patreon and uh, you can put down as little as a dollar, as much as a million dollars, and uh, you know, we we appreciate it. it helps us go towards uh, c- keeping the podcast alive. Uh, not that not that it's going to die anytime soon. Uh, yep. and, uh, and, uh, you know, it helps us with, uh, equipment costs and, you know, hosting that sort of costs, stuff, hosting costs and all that. So, uh, anyhow, uh, that, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Where does he get those wonderful toys?